0: Welcome to the Places Where We Go podcast. Hello, I'm Julie.
1: And I'm Art. We're the hosts of the Places Where We Go podcast. Join us as we share our travel stories. We'll tell you about where we've been, what we saw, and what we did. We're always looking for a bit of an adventure.
0: Sometimes we travel far. Sometimes we explore the places in our own local backyard. Wherever we go... We'll let you know about the highlights and top tips to help you plan your future adventures.
1: This is the Places Where We Go podcast. Hello, and we're back for another episode of The Places Where We Go. This week we're doing something a little bit different. So we've been spending basically the um, episodes up until today talking about our trip to the United Kingdom with a few diversions along the way and this week is going to be one of those where we talk about something a little bit more local but also still kind of related to this family research that kind of took us to the uk to begin with so today we'll talk a little bit about how family research can turn into a travel adventure um so us like really millions of people in the united states have roots from other cultures and other places Myself, I'm first generation in this country. Both of my parents immigrated here from Poland. And Julie, wanted you give us a little bit of background of your ancestral history.
0: Well, I have uh, my parents that were both born here in the States. My dad in L.A. and my mom was born in Detroit, Michigan. So L.A. is just right over the hill from us. And there's a vast amount of history in Los Angeles itself, and particularly my dad, whose mother was born in Mexico, and his father was born in Iowa. There's a huge Latino cultural history in um, LA. So we decided to kind of go and explore and see what we could, we could find there in relation to my dad's history.
1: So in talking about how your family ultimately got to the Los Angeles area, Southern California, why don't you talk a little bit about how you learned about this time and phase of your family history?
0: My only knowledge when I was younger was uh, my grandparents, who I called Pappy and Mutter, living in Sherman Oaks. So they had been there my entire lifetime, and I've never even thought about what family life was like them before that, and for my dad also. He had come into the Sherman Oaks house when he was 10 years old, and I was never really curious about where he was prior to that mm-hmm. until I started getting into genealogy. My grandfather had bought, had actually bought this home in Sherman Oaks in about 1940, and it was only a little shack with a dirt floor, but it had a lot of acreage. I think it had over an acre. Mm-hmm. And they were able to build on that shack. They didn't tear it down. They built on the shack, but they lived in it while they were building. So for a while, my dad remembers the dirt floors and the outhouse until my grandfather could get in some plumbing and uh, do things that made it a little bit more livable.
1: A little different from the way homes look in Sherman Oaks today, huh?
0: Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: yeah. But that was the basically the home of your grandparents that you knew because you had been there as a child.
0: Yeah. Oh, many times, almost every yeah. weekend, we drive over the Santa Susana Pass Road, yeah. Because the freeway didn't exist.
1: But it turns out that was not their first home in Southern California. It was not.
0: And as I was digging into genealogy, I found actual addresses for previous uh, homes that they had lived in, Mm -hmm. in L.A. When I was growing up, there was hardly anything said about my grandparents and their lives before they lived in this Sherman Oaks house. I don't know why. I do know that my grandfather passed when I was two years old, Mm -hmm. although I do have memories of him. My mom had told me that I was the first girl and he was absolutely in love with me Mm -hmm. and spent all his time with me. And Mutter didn't really speak much about the past. And I think partly is because she had lost him so early and she didn't talk about him much. So I didn't learn much about the family history as I was growing up.
1: It just sounds like that it never came up in other conversations with other family members because you you all had a pretty big contingent of uncles and aunts and oh, yeah. extended family here.
0: Yeah, and they yeah. lived in the area. A lot of them lived in Orange County, and uh, they, which is the county next to L.A. County, and also in Bakersfield. Mm-hmm. It was quite a large family of aunts and uncles and cousins and we did spend a lot of time especially in Bakersfield we spent a lot of time over there.
1: Yeah Yeah, so when and how did you find out about earlier residences and where they first took roots in Los Angeles?
0: I started diving into Ancestry.com and you start picking up records off of Ancestry and the main records that you pick up are the census records,
1: okay. so is that where you found their addresses off of census?
0: I found the addresses on census and on public directories, so there was there was two sources that okay. I found okay
1: the public directories what's an example of some of those a phone book okay, so All right. you know
0: mostly it was like they had old phone books and they publish them and Ancestry has access to. Okay.
1: It. Yeah. So you're the one in our household that does the the ancestral research, both for your family, a little bit for my family. I have not myself dug into those records, so it's a bit of a mystery to me, but I think it's kind of neat as you do this. So I think it was a few months ago that you had found some of this information about these additional residences in Los Angeles. And I remember you sharing some of that information with me. And first there was one house and then there was a second house. And next thing you know, you had found a third house. And as you're telling me this, I'm thinking, hey, that would be kind of neat to take a trip into Los Angeles and just kind of do a car ride by these places where your grandparents lived, Because they were the first ones in your family that made their way to Southern California. Um, yeah, you
0: thought that. Yeah, I did. I so, was
1: hesitant. and I, So, yeah, so I threw that out to yeah. you that, hey, this would be a neat thing to do. And you were hesitant, it seemed like. So why, why, why?
0: I don't know why I was hesitant. I think in my mind I was thinking that it was so long ago and everything was probably so different. Mm-hmm. And that I wouldn't really get much out of it. Yeah. And why I thought that, I, I can't tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, because the opposite turned out to yeah, be the truth. Yeah.
1: While your grandmother didn't speak to you about these places, you know, I don't know if your dad had knowledge of this or your uncles or your aunts. So as far as you know, nobody ever, I guess not only never spoke about these places, but nobody ever went back and kind of did a trip down memory lane.
0: No, I know my dad spoke about living in Boyle Heights. He did talk about that, but it was very brief and okay. he never really said much.
1: Yeah. And I guess re- refresh my memory too. So your dad, when he was born, was he born at the ultimate house of your grandparents, the Sherman Oaks house, or did he he actually then spend time at one of one or more of the Los Angeles houses?
0: He spent time at two of the Los Angeles okay. houses.
1: Right.
0: Um, the first one when they were first married, because they were married in 1927. My grandparents were yeah. married in 1927. And my uncle was born in 1928 mm-hmm. and they lived in that first residence, a very small attached apartment. It looked like it was so tiny and we yeah. didn't get a chance to go inside, but it looked very, very tiny. Yeah. And I don't think they stayed there very long. It's hard to tell exactly when they left, but by 1930, they were in the second house.
1: Okay. Yeah. So one of the things that's intriguing to me when it comes to like you know this family history and places associated with families is sometimes you have family members that don't for whatever reason don't want to go back and revisit places or don't have an interest in things you know it's like one example of that I think about a trip that we took maybe three Two years, three years ago now, to Poland, mm-hmm. and one of the places that you and I had gone to was the church where my mom and dad had gotten married. Right. My mom accompanied us on that trip. Right. No, no, no interest. interest in going there with us. No interest in family history. Um, my aunt, on the other hand, who still lives there, complete opposite. So we got you know quite a right. lot of information from her, and it seems that you know that's not unusual. I think about people. That my parents were connected to that also had immigrated to Southern California. And more of them than not had never gone back to the homeland either themselves or right, their families right, right. um it's like this disconnection that has happened and i assume that that's probably the case with a lot of other people who have immigrant roots so in some of our families it becomes up to the kids or the grandkids to connect the dots on right. where the ancestors came from
0: yeah my grandmother did go back to mexico a couple of times mm-hmm. but she never talked
1: about it yeah interesting So again, you've got a that kind of leaves you in a spot as you're trying to put together this history, to plug together pieces on the puzzle board Mm -hmm. where you've got limited information, Mm -hmm. and unfortunate that you didn't have that firsthand knowledge. So, but that in part I think makes this kind of piecing together a family history somewhat of a challenge and, and somewhat interesting. So you mentioned that initially you were, you know, skeptical, or. You know, not sure that you'd want to go visit these places, but it turns out that you know recently we had a um, a couple of days where you weren't doing what you do in the daytime. I was off of work, and so we had some time, and right. so we you finally agreed to get in the car, and we we had a day that we were going to do this adventure to go see where your your grandparents had lived. Right?
0: You, you caused me to ponder, yeah. you know this this idea, and I think when as I was pondering it there was more of an excitement to go so i approached you and said hey let's let's just go
1: yeah so we got in the car and the first place that we went to was kind of in the heart of los angeles and was that boyle heights ish area
0: well it was sixth street i mean it was so close to downtown
1: yeah so why don't you tell us a little bit about the trip to the very first house
0: well, I knew I had pictures of it. Mm-hmm. So I knew what it looked like because I had gone to a satellite picture on Google and I mean you can literally go on Google mm-hmm. and put in an address and it will take you right in front of that house.
1: Yeah, so that's one way I guess to to see yeah, a place it's, like it's, this. Yeah, it's
0: really interesting. <laughs> yeah. So I I did see that I saw the house. So I knew what it looked like. So we go You know, you're driving, you got the GPS on, Mm -hmm. and I knew we were getting closer. And I I remember driving closer to it and seeing it. Mm -hmm. And the second I saw it, I was just like, there was an elation. Mm -hmm. There was like an excitement. There Mm -hmm. was, there was like, wow, this is actually where they lived. And I kind of got a sense of, um, I mean, without sounding too mushy, it, it was a sense of being complete. It was like I was actually in the place where my grandfather, who I haven't seen for decades, who has been gone, who I have scant memories of. I remember his hands and I remember Mm -hmm. his sandals. And I I think I remember his face. But that's it. And to know that I was actually in a place where he walked and he was, Mm -hmm. was very, very satisfying. Yeah,
1: even though it was only from the outside.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So, yeah. So this was again the very first house in California where you had ancestors, mm-hmm. at least on, on on your dad's side. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we we drove by the house, and again, this is this is in Los Angeles, in an area where we weren't quite sure. What the vibe was in terms of you know getting out of our car? Et yeah, cetera. I mean
0: that was or one like of it. my hesitancies because you hear so much about East LA and you you get a sense of it's a place you really don't want to hang out in. Yeah. Um, that that was pretty debunked when I went there. Yeah, I yeah. mean I had no sense of having to worry at all.
1: Yeah. So as we were driving by, you had the video going on your camera Mm -hmm. or on your phone, one or the other. And so initially we got some drive-by videos, but then we turned the car around and had parked it across the street and that allowed you to get out. And we took some photos in Mm -hmm. front of the house and got a little close. You know, there's obviously different people, different families living there today. So we didn't bang on the door Nobody came out, but we did get a few photos there. So that was yeah. house number one.
0: Right. And it was such a sense of getting a, uh, an idea of what it was like for them to live there. Yeah. I, I think I've said in previous um, podcasts, you know, I have this imagination and mm. I can sit there and look at something and I can imagine what it might have been like. Mm-hmm. I may be totally off base, but it's still a sense of, because you knew them, you knew them when they were alive. Yeah. So you can kind of imagine them being there and those small little things that you remember about them kind of come back to you. Yeah.
1: And I imagine the way that house looked, I suspect that it probably is fairly similar to the way it looked back in what this was in the twenties. I think so. Yeah.
0: I think so. Yeah.
1: Maybe other than the color of the paint of the place. Yeah.
0: it was quite blue. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that was house number one and they lived there for how long about?
0: Well, I have records of them being there in 1928, and the next record that I have of their second home was 1930. So at least okay. two years, it's, it looks like. Yeah, so we, it's hard to tell, but it wasn't that long.
1: Yeah, so we visited the first house, the the blue house in Los Angeles, and uh, then we are off to the place your grandparents lived two years later in 1930.
0: So on the 1930 census, I have them living on Herbert Street, which was, I believe, we clocked about ten miles away from
1: the first house. Yeah, um, I, did, I didn't recall it being that far away. I thought it was closer than ten miles, but maybe about. I think I mean, it was we're, about, still still in it was the close. Los Angeles area. It was close. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, and and it was more up in a hilly area, mm-hmm. so I can imagine. That, um, and it was a home, it was more of a home look to it. Mm-hmm. I think it was a home that was separated into s- apartments. It is now, I don't know mm. what it was like then, but it was quite large, and they had an address that on Herbert Street, but this home had at least four different numbers on it, so you I knew mm-hmm. it was I knew it was a multiple okay. uh, living type of situation yeah
1: and as we as we got to this house this also looked like as you mentioned it was more on a hilltop so this almost gave me the sense and i don't know their story and you know what their lives were like at the time but i could like you say imagine that they might have been doing a little bit better you know this was maybe you know maybe getting up into a little better kind of place or so?
0: Yeah, I I think so. I mean, I have records of my grandfather starting out when he got here as a salesman. Mm -hmm. I know that he he lived in Long Beach and he was a cook Mm -hmm. back then. Mm. And then I have record of him being a salesman and then I have record of him being a bookkeeper. So he was climbing up Mm -hmm. and making probably a little bit more money. And he also had two children by that point. So I think they their family was expanding, and they needed a little more space. So they were kind of moving up in the world, I think. It seems that way. And uh, eventually, I have him listed as an accountant. I don't know if bookkeeper and accountant are the same thing, but there was that difference that yeah. I saw in his, his occupation.
1: And one of the things—so we hadn't talked about this, and I don't know if you know, the houses that we visited— if they owned them or they rented them. I know ultimately in Sherman Oaks, that was a house that they owned.
0: The Sherman Oaks house was the first home that they owned. Okay.
1: So these were rent places that they rented. Okay. So kind of like the first house, we get to the second house. We parked either, you know, just down the street or across the street, took an opportunity to get some photos. So Mm -hmm. when you got out of the car, you know, you had walked up to the house, we took some photos. And as we're doing this, yeah, you know, I'm thinking a little bit that we might kind of
0: spark sp- some interest. <laughs> well, yeah, we
1: probably stick out a little bit yeah. um, for multiple reasons. <laughs> One of which is you know here. I mean, who are these people standing in front of a house taking photos? And I kept expecting somebody to come out and question like what we're yeah. doing because. I can imagine if I was in one of these houses, I'm thinking I'm either from the government or I'm from an insurance company or or something because otherwise, why is you know they taking?
0: Yeah, yeah. There, there seems to be a little bit of a sense of people not as trusting nowadays. Well,
1: they maybe have reason and they reason have, to be.
0: That's right. So so and we did encounter the neighbor there. Sort
1: of. Kind of from a distance. From a distance. He was
0: watching very carefully what we were doing, but he didn't say anything. Yeah,
1: no encounter. Part of me was actually interested as we were doing this for somebody to come out from one of these residences and talk to us, because I thought it would be interesting to share that you had relatives, be it what at this point almost 90 years ago that lived in these houses and um you know see what kind of conversation that would have sparked but we didn't have that type of encounter
0: yeah and this home was you could tell it was uh, a very nice little community Mm -hmm. you could feel the community vibe to it and i had a sense that you know people look after one another Mm -hmm. and and uh I can see why my grandparents moved there.
1: Yeah. So we had a third house on the list. But before we got to the third house, we took a detour to another building that has a connection to your family. So tell us about that detour.
0: My father has a baptismal certificate. And on the baptismal certificate, it has the name of the church where he was baptized. So I told you about it. Mm -hmm. And you I was very, very unsure of where this church was located. I had searched, and I kept thinking, is this the right one? Is this the right one? I just wasn't sure. Mm-hmm. All it had was the name of the
1: church. Yeah, and I seem to recall that there was a—at least one of the words was misspelled, which gave, I think, created some of the confusion as to finding the right church. So this, yeah. this was a Spanish name.
0: Right. The name of the church was Sanctuario de Nuestra mm-hmm. Señora de Guadalupe.
1: Yeah. And I think in the information that you had, Nuestra was spelled Nuestra, And that was part of, I think, what threw off the searching for this. But ultimately, we corrected that and then located what was turned out to be the church. And it, it seemed to make sense because it was so close you know, relatively speaking, to the houses to that the we were houses. visiting, yeah. right,
0: right. Yeah,
1: so we drove up to that church, and what was that like?
0: Uh beautiful! It was gorgeous. It was old; you could tell it was old. And it is a completely Hispanic church, so there's no English services, mm. uh, masses. It's mm. just uh, Spanish. And the grounds were clean and beautiful. And you walked uh, up into the courtyard area, and the Church was open, mm-hmm. so we were able to go in. So we walked in through these beautiful double doors into the church itself, and it was ornate. Yeah, I was blown it was, away. It was just beautiful. Mm-hmm. And we walked in and walked around the church, hoping not to just... There was a uh, one family that was praying, so mm-hmm. I was hoping we mm-hmm. wouldn't disturb them. But I think we did a little bit. but Because
1: yeah. <laughs> we were taking photos <laughs> yes, yeah. all over the place.
0: Yeah. So it was just, it was absolutely amazing. And they had little side chapels and um, lots of information in there and beautiful art. And they had one poster that actually had mm. the Guanajuato region area listed on it. So yeah. I found that fascinating. Because
1: that's where your grandmother is that's from. That's where my
0: grandmother's yeah. from. And then you called me over, and you said, "Take a look at this." And back in the the narthex, in the entry area, off to the side, was the baptismal room with a baptismal font. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the original, and a very large crucifix. Yeah. And but that is the room, I'm sure, where my dad was baptized.
1: Yeah, when I think about the layout of churches from you know decades and decades ago. That's where the baptismal fonts would have been. Right. Um, I think about the church in Los Angeles where I was baptized in kind of similar layout. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you looked at that baptismal font, it sure looked old. It so looked that, old. that could have been the font that yeah. your dad was baptized yeah. in when he was two years old.
0: He was two years old, which yeah. was a surprise to me uh, when I saw the certificate. I was just like wait a minute why is he two what happened here so that's a little bit of a
1: mystery so what what do you think happened there
0: well my grandmother is from mexico and mexico is a very widely populated catholic uh, Mm -hmm. area Mm -hmm. Um, so she's catholic and my grandfather's from iowa and his parents um, came from sweden and in sweden they have a Protestant mm. a religion that they celebrate mm-hmm. so he was Protestant she was Catholic and I think there might have been a little bit of a conflict there okay. Took a little so time. it could have took yeah. a little time to get him baptized
1: yeah so again I mean I was really taken aback by just how beautiful it was in this church in fact I, when I think about churches I've been to in Los Angeles probably one of the most impressively decorated churches inside i mean just so much for the eye to take in a
0: tremendous amount
1: yeah so we could have stayed there probably even longer but you know one of the things i take away from this is like for anybody else who is exploring the roots of their families one of the things that you can do like we did is learn where ancestors lived and then Mm you'll visit those places and Mm -hmm. in addition to that if there's church-related history, like in this case, you had the baptismal information about your dad. Somebody might have information about where parents or grandparents or before had gotten married. Mm-hmm. All of these places, if they're still around today in one way or another, make great opportunities for, depending where they are, right. day trips, road trips, vacations. Right. Uh, We've done a little bit of that both locally as well as thousands and thousands of miles away. Right, right. So we visited the church, and then we're off to—we had one more house to visit, so the third house.
0: The house on Normandy. Yeah. So this was the house I think they were in the longest.
1: Longest rental. The longest rental. Yeah. Yeah. And this was probably on the eastern end of what is Hollywood today, I think. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I actually have pictures— of the house back in uh, the 1930s, somewhere in the 1930s. Yeah, back
1: when photos were black and white.
0: hmm And these pictures were taken by my dad's cousin, Lyle McBride. So I had contacted him. Th- I found him through Ancestry mm-hmm. and contacted him, and he was one of those genealogists that just had an amazing amount of material on his family. So his mother was Hazel LeBeck, which was my grandfather's sister, And he started sending me stuff. So it was it was fantastic, you know, started getting all this information about the Lebecs and Mm -hmm. the Lebecs in Iowa. And he had come and visited the Normandy house back when he was a child. And he had those pictures. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he had that. And I also have a picture somewhere. I got to find it again of my grandparents and my dad and his two brothers sitting on the steps mm-hmm. in front of this Normandy house. Mm-hmm. So when I saw those steps, all I could do was envision this picture and it was one of the best visits that I had of the three homes. Mm-hmm. I think that was the one that I liked the most. Cause you
1: had that photo with your dad as a right. child, right. Yeah. You know, on the right. steps.
0: And he had been there for a while and he, and I know he played there and, went to school, and, and you know, all those things that you do in family life were there. Mm-hmm. It looked a little different, so I was a little puzzled by the old pictures that I had and what we were actually visualizing at the moment.
1: Yeah. So this particular house, it looked like that since your family had lived there, that there had been some addition on the front. Yes. Yeah. Yeah,
0: definitely. And now that I look back and I look at the pictures, I can see there was definitely an addition on yeah. the front.
1: yeah. But this house, just like the others, you know, we parked the car, got some photo opportunities. Again, wondering if somebody was going to come out and ask why we're taking photos of their house, and that didn't happen. But that kind of rounded out, at least on the uh house adventure. You know, three houses, so kind of took me and you the know, church. Yeah, and, yeah. So about three plus hours, probably, mm-hmm. of driving around Los Angeles looking mm-hmm. for these places and tracing one part of your family history. Yes. Yeah. So. Since you started out hesitant, and uh, then we did this, what did it feel like after you took this adventure?
0: I couldn't have imagined not taking the adventure. I think being so close to L.A., I took for granted what was actually there and what could be explored and what I could learn. And even though the closeness of these homes to where we live now... Mm -hmm exists if you ever have the chance to explore those routes even if it's you know the next city over i would take every advantage to do that
1: yeah i think about so many places we've been to before and it's it's one thing to read about a place it's it's one thing to see pictures of a place to do you know if you're finding you know, pictures from family photo albums or photos on the internet but to me, when you actually get a chance to physically be in a particular space, it it's a different experience. And mm-hmm. I think when you take that opportunity, it just makes whatever it is real
0: mm-hmm.
1: in a, a unique kind of a way. And I think it also just you know cements a particular kind of memory that you can only get when you're physically in a location. Yeah. Yeah. So given that we we took this little trip, what would your tips be for people looking to do something similar?
0: I would take very, very good notes. Bring the information with you, Mm -hmm. Um, whether it's on paper or whether it's on your phone, however you want to do it. Make sure you have detailed notes on what you're looking for. It'll make it a lot easier to find Mm -hmm. what you need to Mm -hmm. find or what you want yeah. to find. If you want to do this and the, the place that you're going to is relatively close, don't pack too much into one day because it's a lot of information that comes rushing at you. And you also want to take your time mm-hmm. to soak in everything that you're, you're feeling and that you're learning mm-hmm. and you know keep it three or four places to go. That's different. If you're going to have to travel a distance to the place, um, you want to make sure that you give yourself enough time to visit every place that you want to see. Mm-hmm. You know, it might require maybe more than one day. Be very aware of where you're at. You know, we went to East LA and we were fine. We didn't have any issues. If we had gone there in the evening, I think that would be a different story.
1: It would be harder to take photos. It indeed. would be harder to take
0: photos, but that's kind of when LA kind of people come out. To play.
1: Yeah. Well, so, I, I think most people who are doing this kind of thing, you know, unless you're in a really sketchy area, hopefully but, most people don't have that type of
0: Right. Thing. But but you need to be aware. Yeah. I mean, don't just you know, go go into a place and not do some some homework. Well,
1: know your environment. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. Okay. So if you feel uncomfortable, don't get out of the car. Mm-hmm just stay in your car and take yeah, pictures yeah, from the car. Yeah.
1: Which I think brings us to uh, another big tip for me is take photos, take videos, and I think the other thing that would be good to do is you have other family members who would, you know, benefit from feeling and learning the family story, bring along other people take in your them family. Along. Yeah, you took me. Yeah,
0: I took you. Yeah. yeah.
1: So maybe in the future we can do this again with some other folks. So anything on this trip that was a surprise for you?
0: I think finding the church. I didn't expect that. Mm. I think I say things to you, and you, even though sometimes I accuse you of not doing this, but you listen to me. Hmm. And See?
1: <laughs> I not only listen to you, but I plan things from what you tell yes, me.
0: because my husband loves me very much. So he, you heard something, mm-hmm. and you said, okay, let's do this. So you immediately started researching where this church was. And did some deducing to figure that this was indeed the church that we needed to be at. Mm-hmm. So that was a surprise to me. And I, it was a very, very pleasant surprise.
1: And anything that was a particular highlight for you?
0: Yeah. Um, well, a couple of things, actually. So after we came back, I noticed there was this huge cemetery next to the church. Mm. And I didn't know what the cemetery was, but it was massive. Yeah, it,
1: was, it was across a road that when we were standing at the church, we couldn't. We were not able to easily walk over there. You'd actually right. have to get in the car and drive there. So right. we saw it from a basically from across the road. Yeah, but yeah, and I
0: wondered, I wondered mm-hmm. if it was attached to the church or not, and I wasn't sure. And you know, we had one day to do this, mm-hmm. in, so and it's easy enough for us to go back if yeah. we want to. So I looked up later what it was, and it's it's a Jewish cemetery, and two of the three Stooges are buried there.
1: Well, that's interesting.
0: Yes. And I yeah. would very much love to go back and, yeah. and
1: visit those graves. Always, yeah, enjoy visiting places like that.
0: Yes. I don't know what it is about, I think it's just a history standpoint because we grew up with the Three Stooges. We watched them as we were growing up. So it's kind of, you know, an honor mm-hmm. to go and give our respects to these yeah. people.
1: And there was another famous individual that you found was buried at the same cemetery, yeah?
0: And Lou Costello. Which is another person that we grew up absolutely with watching on TV, and, and he has a big. I think there's like a this huge mausoleum type thing where he's he's really sure. honored.
1: Yeah, so we might have to make another trip back and just uh, hit the cemetery at some point.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Definitely.
1: So the adventure of traveling to these various houses, and as I mentioned, you know that was a, a, probably at least three hours, if not more. By the time we were done, it was now time for lunch. So I had remembered, um, we watch a lot of food-related shows from time to time on television, and there was at least one, if not probably more, that I remembered talking about these taco places in Los Angeles. And it turned out that I had had taken some notes from one that we saw. There was a series, I think it's called Somebody Feed Phil. Yeah. Phil Rosenthal, which is
0: one of the... Um, writers producers, and producers or writers of uh everybody loves raymond
1: yeah so he had this series that we had seen i think on netflix i think two different seasons at least with maybe you know six episodes per season where he would go to different cities try the food and comment on the food and there was he was fantastic yeah i love watching him eat
0: fantastic. and i know that sounds weird but mm. it's true <laughs>
1: So one of the shows that we had seen, and I actually don't know if it was part of that series because um, when I was doing some reading about this, I think there was a one-off related episode that was aired on PBS, but it was basically a show that was devoted to food in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And one of the places that he visited was Guerrilla Tacos. Mm-hmm. So I had, as we were in the area, referring to my, my notes on my phone and we had found the location of this place. So we had started driving to... This place that we had had heard was raved about on this t v show that that we thought was really interesting, and uh we got close to it, right. and I think as we were getting ready to park the car, kind of like a lot of places in Los Angeles, there were some sketchy so here's your sketchiness in in uh in l a it's downtown area, so it's, it's yeah so you know, if, there's if a you, lot going on there yeah, if you know kind of like what's goes on on some of the streets in Los Angeles. Some of that was going on. So mm-hmm. we're, we're questioning ourselves, do we actually stop here? Because we just weren't sure if we would be comfortable actually getting out of the car and traversing through some of the things that we would have to pass. But we did. And so we get to this restaurant, and it's, it's on a corner right. you know, in, in a building. I, I, I had it in my head. that I didn't know that if this was going to be more of a taco stand kind of fast foodie place. Well, it was actually a sit-down restaurant. With we, a nice bar. Yeah, great bar. We go in, and as soon as I look at the menu, I knew that this was not going to be like any other taco experience that we've ever had. Right. So there was, I mean, tacos that just were totally different than anything I've ever seen. So, oh, my gosh. So we, they
0: were absolutely exquisite. Every mouthful was just
1: amazing. Yeah, so we had ordered three to start with. So there was... Yeah. I had a butternut squash taco. Mm-hmm. You had an eggplant, eggplant. taco mm-hmm. and then we also got a swordfish taco. Mm-hmm. And yeah, from the first bite it was oh my. This is this is amazing. Yes,
0: I had the Phil Rosenthal moment. It was unbelievable. And it was so it was so packed with flavor but it didn't it didn't fight with one another. They just blended in and you you tasted these flavors that just burst in your mouth with it was just unbelievable very
1: complimentary flavors yeah yeah so we're enjoying these tacos and we we gave our compliments to our server and the server recommended the what was told to us was like the house favorite which was his favorite yeah sweet potato taco Mm -hmm. so we said hey if that's the favorite bring it on on. so we had some more tacos turned out there was also a book for sale at the counter that had recipes of these tacos and so since this place is you know it's a good at least hour drive from where we live so not a place that we can go to every day for lunch or dinner i picked up the book and um since then we have done one of the tacos in here so it was a roasted pumpkin taco because we're still going through our pumpkin harvest Mm -hmm. from the fall even as it's january today And kind of followed the recipe, and that turned out for me to be like almost as enjoyable as what we had at the restaurant. So the owner, the head chef, is a gentleman named Wesley Avila. I spent a few days um, looking through this. I guess it's technically a cookbook, but the the book is, is interesting because it's not only the recipes, but it's interspersed with his personal story, anecdotes about the different recipes. So... If you're around the L.A. area, highly, highly recommend Guerilla Tacos. So it's G-U-E-R-R-I-L-L-A. The best tacos I've ever had in my life. I mean, we've lived in Los Angeles all yeah. our lives where Mexican food is an abundance everywhere. Mm-hmm. I've never had anything yeah. like this. So phenomenal. And if you're not in the Los Angeles area, you can buy this book, I'm sure, online. online. Mm-hmm. Again, Guerilla Tacos is the name of the book. Uh, recipes from the streets of L.A. and the author and the head chef is Wesley Avila A V I L A. Just fantastic mm-hmm. stuff. All right, so that's um, a little bit of a different episode for us, but again, something we recently did, and we thought it was you know, kind of interesting to to share this. Both the uh, how you can turn some you know family information into a travel related experience. And when we come back with you next time, the plan is to continue the, the UK the travels. UK travel. I think I did promise on the last episode to share my epiphany of how to not get lost on a bus in a uh-huh. foreign country. So you uh, you're not getting that this time. So you're going to have to tune in again next time. And that tip is coming. So until then, thanks for joining us. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye now.
0: If you have any comments or info to share with us, about travel you can write us at comments at the places where
1: you can also follow us on social media right now we're on twitter and instagram both at the where we go
0: thanks for joining us and we hope to see you at the places where we go
1: see you next time bye
0: now